and welcome to Champion Casters, a podcast about heroes and craft, where we analyze the motifs and themes behind your favorite film, intelligent heroes, and everything we say is in Comic Sans. I'm Michael Ruiz. And I'm high on pre-workout. My name's Joe. Are you <laughs> are, are you are you actually high on pre-workout right now? Yes, I am, sir. <laughs> Joe, you took pre-workout before we started recording. New question. <laughs> no, here's so so here's what happened. I um this morning I was feeling very tired and I had a cup of coffee. Yes. Which is fine. Yes. Which is the thing that most people do. I'm not sure if it's recommended, but I do it. Mm-hmm. Um and then after work. I got off work around like 5.30, and then I had pre-workout, and then I had a post-workout, and that post-workout, I suspect might have a little bit of pre-workout within it. Mm-hmm. So I was very jittery when I when I was eating dinner about an hour or so ago, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm still feeling kind of kind of high energy, so be prepared for a high energy podcast today. <laughs> anyway, Michael, I'm sure this isn't the question you were planning on asking me. Mm-hmm. What was uh, our, our uh, prerequisite podcast question that you were going to ask well honestly joe i have a very simple question for you today i yeah. want you to i want you to go along with here for a quick moment to ponder the very simple possibility of what if what if what if what if what if you had the choice to mash up two different franchises of your choice in a single moment issue movie beat whatever you want what would you choose and why? If I had to mash up two franchises, there is a common trope in and like fandom and community and series of comics where Spider-Man and Deadpool interact with each other. Yes. And it's normally like Spider-Man, weirdly enough, plays like the serious character and then mm-hmm. Deadpool is the goofy character, normally try to make Spider-Man less stuffy. Mm-hmm. Um and and try to make him bend his rules and that's the the fun dynamic of those of those comics mm-hmm. and i think it'd be really interesting to see ryan reynolds deadpool with toby Maguire spider-man i think that'd be a really <laughs> odd dynamic okay. um because toby Maguire spider-man is so is like a pretty self-serious franchise mm-hmm. yeah, i mean it's goofy it's campy we've gone over this before in a previous incarnation of this podcast but i would say it's uh i would say that that would be a fun little twist with a very strange tone mm-hmm. what about you what if you were to do uh a mashup well i think i would do the the clear one of i would probably put the bat family with the x-men so tim drake and jubilee can start hanging out again like they did in that one weird issue <laughs> Right, yeah, and the weird, the weird Marvel DC crossover in the nineties. Yeah, for some and for some reason they decided to pair Tim Drake and Jubilee with each other. And I, I mean, maybe someone, some, some execs were just sitting down, being like, "Who are the cool teen heroes right now? We need." Basically, yeah, it's like you know, Tim Drake was probably the hot shit. He was just for Robin at the time. DC, he was Robin at the time, so he was the hot shit. And then Jubilee mm-hmm. was the perspective character for the X Men at that period. Yeah, um, Wolverine's respective daughter at the time yeah <laughs> exactly uh, but if i guess if you had to ask me seriously what i would want to see a mashup of of like two things that i like honestly i feel like most of like the like at this point most of the nerdy franchises i like do have mashups already like there's like scenes where like the ninja turtles are hanging out with batman now 
And like I, I love that. Yeah, I watched that. That spawned movie. a really great. Me- that spawned a really great meme. It in spawned the comics. an amazing meme. <laughs> this is where my parents died, Raphael. Cow a bummer. Cow a bummer. Oh boy! If I, I guess, to to in all seriousness, this is also my way of campaigning this that I want Kazuma Kiryu from Yakuza in Smash Brothers. That's the franchise I want to see together. Oh my god! I want Kiryu to be the last person in Smash. That'd be fun. Yeah. Here's the heavens. Here's here we go. Fingers <laughs> crossed. Anyway, mm-hmm. why are we talking about what ifs today, Joe? Because we watched. Not one, but two what ifs. Mm-hmm. The new Marvel uh, cartoon that's on Disney Plus titled What If after the Marvel Comics series that then spawned, I think, the Marvel Zombie series. What if basically takes MCU movies and does little twists with them for about 30 minutes? Yeah. The first two the first two episodes were about Peggy Carter becoming Captain Carter instead of Steve becoming Captain America. And what if T'Challa was abducted instead of Star-Lord in Guardians of the Galaxy? Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to be talking about some really interesting concepts and including spoilers as usual. And the concepts we're going to be talking about is the new hot shit, multiverses. Yeah. The idea of multiverses and also the idea of what if stories in general and how yeah. they function. What do they serve for us as an audience and where and how are they effective and how are they not effective? Yeah, so there, there's your, there's your quick like spoiler warning for like because we're gonna spoil both these specials. Go watch them. We had a good enough time with them. I don't think you'll be expect don't don't expect anything revolutionary. Eh, but it, it's it, they're fine short stories and concepts seen to a natural conclusion. That's what I would say in terms of review. <laughs> yeah, they're fine. I guess to get uh, I guess to to dive right into it. I think what appeals to us to watch these multi like these these what if things are like you know we like to see our care like x character doing thing that y character would do we want to see that those familiar beats happen but we also want to see where they deviate we as part of this stupid nerdy fandom community are hyper obsessed on these micro moments that happen with these characters yeah and we know when those micro moments deviate and when they persist yeah and the problem with that is you end up with moments that are kind of subpar. Yeah. And that like, I know this is going to happen and it isn't that it's just kind of like a little gag maybe. Mm-hmm. And then there are other great moments that occur where a character is reinforced or redefined. Yes. And I think that's Absolutely. when these characters like Captain Carter and T'Challa Star-Lord are really fun it reinforces what we love about these characters and of course that's what we like to see as fans of a community yeah. is we like to see especially champion casters you're here listening to us because you like these fucking characters yeah. and you want to think about these fucking characters yeah it does have a certain stress of like the plot and lore importance in that of itself the most important things is what factually happens to these characters not just the uh, like heroic ideology behind each of them and i feel mm-hmm. like trying to balance both of those things is really what these multiverse stories are meant to represent i think more often than not we do see the version of this these types of stories that are the very simple version of like you know what if what if superman was evil 
you know, what if Superman was an evil dictator, fascist, you know, presidential figure? I've never seen that before in my life. That shit is like starting to get tired, you know, like I get it. I'm very, I get it. Government can be a problem. We all know this by now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, you know, a a government with absolute power. Who would have thought totalitarianism is a bad thing? (laughs) Huh. Didn't figure that shit out 50 years ago. I mean, I guess if you are, you, if you ask Republicans, they think monopolies are a good thing. So, you know, what are you going to (laughs) do? Yeah. More important, but I think with this specifically and these specific issues, I do want to give some voice to this because obviously it could be very simple to just say like this isn't easy like attention grabbers because they are just, hey, what if, right? In the same way a forum post about what if certainly spawned 57 pages of people thinking about this at one single idea. But I think to us, and you know what just dropped tangentially to this uh, to this episode's recording, Joe, is the new Pokemon announcement. And I was thinking about this, that what are region variations, but what ifs for Pokemon? Yep. And the the thing that's f- the funniest thing about region variations of Pokemon is that is like the hot new thing that the, you know, clearly Game Freak knows is getting attention. That's like the one thing everyone agrees about with the new ones that we really like. If you happen to be uh, on this train as well, right now everybody on social media is freaking out about a fucking Growlithe with bangs. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And, you know, I love it too. I'd die for it. Absolutely. Uh, (laughs) It's cute. It's so cute. (laughs) But now, you know, we're talking about um, a Peggy Carter with bangs or a T'Challa with bangs (laughs) for this episode. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, so that's why my point is with that bringing that up. I do think that there's some credence to the idea of taking a similar concept, acknowledging that it is the same thing, but changing it in a very key way to give us a variation on something that we know we already like. I feel like mm-hmm. the way we don't we we don't appreciate this in the past, or the way in which we say, you know, the common criticism I hear a lot with them, our MCU specifically, is that like it is the same story being told and repackaged over and over again. And I think with this type of multiverse story, there is a self-awareness of it. And I think that in and of itself is, not that self-awareness excuses anything, but it does create a, a layer of understanding for the even the audience to be like, hey, we know we're doing this. And that's why we're kind of asking you to go with us in this land of conjecture. But that can be effective and other times it can't be effective. Of course. Let's, yeah, let's get into the first example. Uh, Peggy Carter as Captain Carter and this 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 new rendition of the first avenger right and i i i really really wanted to like this one and i feel like i think it suffers from this episode just like this 30 minute episode suffers from some like really weird pacing problems at the very beginning of it where it, it is like trying really hard to rehash a lot of beats from the first avenger and not change too much but to like remind people what happened in that movie you know yeah so like I think on the on the first front, I do think that the the craft just pure craft going into this story wasn't as effective because like of those little tiny things where we didn't quite get to see Peggy and all of her kind of glory throughout the episode. We did spend a lot of time making sure that the same beats are hit just with Peggy there instead of Steve. You know, we get we get our little variations on that, some interesting uh what ifs. What mm-hmm. if, you know, if Steve is alive, then what would Steve do? Still, Steve would still want to be in the action. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
Howard Stark is there. So Howard Stark builds a uh, Iron Man Mark One. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, w- I wasn't super into that either. Yeah, like, why does why does Steve need to be anything more than like a, a girlfriend guy? Like, I honestly yeah. was kind of just here for him just being like a supportive voice for Peggy. Like, yeah, just let him be like a good caring partner. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they ba- they tried to basically turn Steve into Winter Soldier, character beat-wise. Mm-hmm. And it didn't work. No. And they know it didn't work because they brought him back. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's the weirdest It's the weirdest plot decision that they, one, made a decision and then immediately retconned it, like, ten minutes later. Yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't like, quite support Peggy, and it especially doesn't, it doesn't support or change Peggy much. And then because they try to keep doing the same beats that the original one does. Mm-hmm. Um, what's interesting is what they chose to keep about Peggy and what, mm-hmm. how they chose to, to, to define Peggy as a character. Yeah. She's persistent. She is tough, um, which is great. But also, she effectively becomes defined by her love for Steve. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really weird choice. No, it feels like I said, I think this is the the weird multiverse stuff at its weirdest, which felt like this is this is a variation of the Captain America story without Steve Rogers. Right. But they decided Mm -hmm. to keep Steve Rogers there rather than just kind of have him die, which I know that like that hurts on like paper, but also why not just get rid of him? Right. Like he doesn't need to be there. The whole point is we're kind of getting. Peggy and Captain Carter kind of come to the forefront, even though I agree with you that like, I think her struggling with also like her newfound strength because like she hasn't been working in this type of, uh, in this type of position before. I think that scene is still really funny where she's like, kind of like figuring out the limits of her abilities. Right. Mm -hmm. And like seeing her specifically do that, I think is, is still telling of who she was in the first Avenger. Mm -hmm. And, like how she would respond to that. That is like having the fun with the, okay, what if, right? What if Peggy got the super soldier serum, right? Right. And might I just say too, is it just me or does Howard Stark really just want to be topped by <laughs> Captain Carter? Yeah, he does. Absolutely. <laughs> he does. He's, he's so, he's so, I mean, like that is like, and like, this is the thing about what ifs that are fun. Mm-hmm. It's like, there is an undertone when you, when you see Captain America, the first Avenger that Howard Stark fucks. Mm-hmm. And like the, and this, what if is like we're gonna double down on that. He's yeah. a fuck boy, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. and I enjoy that. Yeah. I enjoy that they did that. That was that was charming, um, sort of in a way, um, but charming that they like recognize that and heighten that. Yeah, Re- I mean, recognizing the fact that this character is flirty, like he's not being gross about it. He's also, no. but he's very clearly also even after like the fact that she gets a super soldier serum and she is this like person of like great strength, like that attraction isn't lost in any capacity. And it's, it's just yeah. like, it's just like Steve, right? After he gets a super soldier serum as well. We're all here for body positivity. Yeah, exactly. But as we mentioned the, with the Peggy Carter episode, it, it, it just feels like they could have done more with Peggy mm-hmm. and, and, and because they felt so beholden to the first Avenger it seems like the writers just really did like that movie and that's mm-hmm. fine michael you fucking adore that movie you did you did a whole youtube video about it mm-hmm. i get it but a part of this craft is deviating from it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it is is getting down to the root of this character either reinforcing the root of it or finding a new dimension to that yeah and 
creating that as a what if. Yeah. Now, on top of that, we're, we're talking about this from from a writing standpoint. We should also talk about this from an animation and an art standpoint, because this is a completely different medium than the MCU as a whole. Of course. They, you know, taking advantage of that and and doing really weird shit with it. Mm-hmm. Doing really weird shit with the visuals and the art. I think, to some respect, this uh, this medium and this episode did that. We visually creating a, a new Mark One Iron Man suit, mm-hmm. creating that in a movie would be time consuming and expensive. Mm-hmm. Also, creating the octopus tentacles as the giant as the giant villain in the end mm-hmm. that would be that would be expensive and hard to do. Yeah. So, but doing that in animation, not to say that doing it in animation is easy. Animation as an art form is very difficult, but this is what animation can allow. It can yeah. allow us to break that barrier and accept this as reality mm-hmm. and, and do it in a much more convincing way. So I, I commend the, the Captain Carter episode for doing things, for making choices like that. I just also wish they did more. Yeah, I think that's just it, right? I agree. I think that there are times when I, I straight up look at MCU movies and wonder how much of this is CGI and just wonder... Like, I love animation, and sometimes I wonder in the ways in which animation can be so expressive, in the way in which we have, like, famous comic book panels or people, you know, images that are so striking, and it's, it's, it's striking and made that way because it's drawn, because someone had to sit there and create a distinction of not what reality looks like, but what this image and icon should look like, right? Yeah. And that is what makes it cool, and that's what makes, and I agree with you, I think that that's what makes the tentacle monster at the very end kind of more fun. Because it's like, I guess it's just more expressive. And I, at that point, that is what I'm into. I'm into like a completely different story. I don't want to see just an animated version of of Peggy Carter walking in and shooting everyone with the Howling Commandos behind her. Right. Because it's like, we've seen that already. Least of which, like, the shot's not that cool. Like, it, it, I don't even think it's that cool in the original. And I like that movie. <laughs> I agree. I, I um, famously among my friends, that is a scene I hated the most in that movie. Yeah, like, it's, it's, like, listen, First Avenger has got a lot of problems, and I, you know, but least of which is, like, certain iconography like that that I just don't find as appealing, or even just as cool, like, I get what they're trying to show, and I don't think it fundamentally shifts by having Peggy there as well, and using this, like, kind of, this heroic identity in this way. Like, I think that's part of the problem with this story is that is that Peggy doesn't feel like she has 100% like she doesn't feel like she has had her like heroic identity and ideology bolstered and so i think that like that's part of the problem is it doesn't quite let her be her own character enough and even though i do think the iron giant suit for steve is kind of cool especially cuz he's mostly just her ride like he doesn't quite do enough like stomping on his own like he's kind of just her ride for most of it it's very Baymax. Yeah. Yeah. You know, once again, here for girlfriend guy, Steve Rogers. Here for girlfriend yep. guy, Steve Rogers. But then they give him too many moments, you know? <laughs> yeah. Steve does take up too much of uh, too much of this episode. I would yeah. agree. Yeah. And, and I wanted to see, I wanted to see specifically Peggy Carter and much in the way Steve did, but like in her own way of kind of being the one to don the shield, take that and use it as a way to kind of like create a world that she wants to defend, right? That's the whole idea. And I guess we just right. didn't get enough of that. Yeah. You know, and it's funny that you mentioned that. And this is 
this is going to be me nitpicking um mm-hmm. for, for for historical this is historical nitpicking that this is your warning mm-hmm. it's very strange that in this episode they choose to say peggy carter is like under the influence and command of the usa mm-hmm. but they give her like the captain carter like you know union jack mm-hmm. symbol to say that she's in um she's uh she's with uh the british uh government yeah but like it's constantly like this white guy who i don't even remember from the original movie mm-hmm. um it's like this white u.s uh u.s uh general who's just like you're under my command you do what i have to say and she's like no mm-hmm. and she's like i don't have to listen to you i don't want to listen to you but it doesn't make she should no you don't have to listen to him in the first place he has no say over you why why no. are you even talking to this guy i don't get it you're not part of, of the u.s uh anyway <laughs> Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah, there's some faux woke shit happening in this episode too. Mm-hmm. That it just it's not good. Which once again, by all means, I'm sure there's there's women doing that criticism. Go serve, go look that out. We can't do that, but I'm sure it doesn't I don't think that's gonna be a hot take. That's that's some lukewarm shit. Yeah, it just it like from that cultural criticism, I understand that point. I'm saying on top of that, from a logical standpoint, in the context of this movie and in the history of this movie, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it just it's no good. From right? from a plot standpoint. So mm-hmm. so anyway, the the, um, the those would be my frustrations with that episode. Yeah. And th- there are some more frustrations with this concept as a whole, least of which the animation itself. We talked about animation earlier um and Mm -hmm. for the most part we're talking about art animation is the movement of of still images right Mm -hmm. we're talking about when a character model is moving yeah that aspect is kind of lacking in this series the way in which characters move is very stilted Mm -hmm. it it comes across uh, pose to pose Mm -hmm. rather rather um rather than other methods so yeah. a character will be in like what like there's a clear start and end point and the animators fill in in between of those start and end points. Yeah. And it becomes blocky. On top of that. The lip syncing is off. Yeah. At least. And I'm not sure if that's an issue with my television and my con- and my Internet connection, because that's quite possible. Mm-hmm. But for both episodes that I watched at two different times, it, it occurred. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to say that's an issue. Mm-hmm. And as one final criticism of this art and animation, I didn't like the lighting choices. Yeah, I think the lighting choices were a bit harsh. And I think mm-hmm. that was also in part, in my assumption, and my limited understanding of animation, to me it looked like it was trying to cover up for the fact that the movement itself was stilted. Yeah. It might be harder to see that. Yeah. What did you think of all that, Michael? Yeah, this is a sort of specific style of animation that I see a lot in Switch games. Like, I think Fire Emblem Three Houses has the same style of, like, 3D, very uh, smooth, I like to call animation. The Dragon Prince has the same style of animation. It's these character models that are 3D, and everything is very... It's not cel-shaded, but everything is very smooth, and there's very, like, soft lines in between things. And I don't know how much I like that style of animation. That is 100% mm-hmm. a flavor thing, and I recognize that. But I just know I don't like it because I think, like you said, it does look stilted to me at times. I agree with you. There are times when I think this animation also just looks a little weak. 
and mm-hmm. I don't know if that's just how it's edited, how it like works together. I don't know who it's 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 much like the Space Jam thing we talked about, where it felt like the animation wasn't always matching the character's performance or the act- actor's performance. Because I think you know mm-hmm. uh, Haley Atwell does a great job here playing Captain Carter. She does a wonderful job playing this person who you know playing this variation of her character that has suddenly come into these new powers. It's just the animation doesn't feel like it's quite expressing her performance enough. Mm-hmm. And so I think as a result, it it just starts to feel flatter. And the, the, the moments of sincerity, because they have to pack a lot into this, you know, 30 minute special when like those like, like need to have higher highs and lower lows. Those don't quite hit the same way when the right. expressivity, which, you know, animation is an expressive format, isn't quite there. Mm-hmm. and that's like kind of what i want that's what i like the most about animation and so i guess it is disappointing to see that when that's like my favorite thing mm-hmm. but yeah oh i mean overall like I, I overall i do i do still like it i think it's fine i it wasn't my favorite of the two episodes we watched i think i technically like this one a little bit less only just because i wanted peggy to do more like you said mm-hmm. And I wanted them to go a bit further, which, you know, admittedly is not entirely, it's harder as a framework because the, the line between uh, Steve and Peggy, there's a lot of overlap between them. In fact, I would dare say that's part of their chemistry with each other is they are mm-hmm. both people trying really hard and they're both very mm-hmm. adamant and very determined in key ways, in ways in which it makes sense that they'd be attracted to each other as well. Yeah. The concept isn't quite as fun because mm-hmm. it's not quite a hundred percent what if, because like least of which because the story itself does not fuel uh, Peggy Carter's you know brand of heroism, but also the story like the story the characterization itself isn't as distinct. Yeah, and so I think as a result, this first one just feels a little bit simple. I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, I would agree. And now I think we should talk about one that is less simple, a bit mm-hmm. more complicated, mm-hmm. and to me a bit more interesting. Yeah. The T'Challa Star-Lord episode that dropped the day of this recording, actually. Yep. What do you think about this one? I think this... What this episode did is what I wish the future what-if episodes would do, in which they take... They take the character, they take the premise, and then they really go out there with it. Yes. They really devi- they deviate from the plot pretty far. And they also tap into roots and aspects of the character and how those aspects would actually change this. What I thought was a really interesting point was that T'Challa, they really honed in on T'Challa's nobility mm-hmm. and t- T'Challa's like altruism. Mm-hmm. And the fact that... T- that Thanos got to know T'Challa as a person, mm-hmm. changed him a little bit to become more of an anti-hero. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, the episode was constantly joking about him still wanting genocide, mm-hmm. and I think that that's funny. That's like a wink and a nod, like, yeah, that's what he did. Mm-hmm. They, they're acknowledging what the fan base was, has been saying, and that's kind of yeah. cool. <laughs> but like, the fact that like this is the, the change that T'Challa can enact, that mm-hmm. is the type of agency that i want to see out of these what if stories that i think captain carter lacked. i totally agree 100 mm-hmm. percent agree i love the idea that this plot looks almost nothing like the you know the original gardens of the galaxy right 
Mm-hmm. That is the part that makes this so much more fun because seeing the fact that, of course, like T'Challa's brand of heroism, his ability to kind of like appeal to people, care about people, and his desire to do right in the world has literally affected entire galaxies, like net of people to the point where even Drax isn't in the same place as he was. That mm-hmm. is like, I mean, that's like, I agree that that's seen this to its full fruition. And I don't feel like this also isn't lacking conflict either. I think there's something pointed to that, like both the heroes that they chose for this one between, uh, you know, between Captain Carter and Black Panther and even Steve Rogers from that standpoint, none of those characters are heroes that have to change. They're all pretty static round characters. And so it is truly, I think, good for the What If series seeing how those like very, you know, clearly uh, well-described characters influence a completely different space. And I think that's exactly what they do with T'Challa here. And I think Mm -hmm. as a result, everyone becomes a lot more sincere. And I like that he just has like a super fan the entire time. Yeah, me too. And also in the same way, I feel like that allowed a certain level of expressivity in their interactions mm-hmm. and like just having someone who is that giddy all the time once again in an animated format is just a lot more fun because you're seeing you know a different a person express different things right because the child is still only asked to kind of be like he is admittedly a little more quippy and a little bit more witty in this in this incarnation mm-hmm. than he is in black panther where he's kind of the only he's kind of the only humorless one Due to the fact that everyone else is making jokes around him. I would say he's he's humorless when he's not in a comfortable state around his family. Mm-hmm. When when he's when he's talking with his with his sister or when he's talking with close close like family, he seems he seems to be a, like a little quippy and a little and a little um, um he he definitely has a different energy. Yeah. Um and that that's uh, Chadwick's uh I think that's part of Chadwick Boseman's performance of that character. Um, and clearly I think the writers caught onto that and just, you know, expanded it. Yeah. Well, what he, what he feels like is he feels like an older brother. He feels like, you know, yeah. with, with, uh, with specifically Sherry, who is kind of like teasing in that way, who like, th- admittedly, that's like a very simple, like older brother, little sister dynamic still works really well. Cause like the chemistry between them is like through the roof. But I right. think specifically him being willing to kind of play along with her is that type of, like, just a very lived-in relationship really quickly between the two of them. And I think they mm-hmm. show that exact ability to reciprocate those relationships, while at the same time acknowledging all the good that he still is informed by during this run. Mm-hmm. And so, like, naturally, like, of course, with Chadwick Boseman, like, rest in peace, we love you. And, of course, like, we want to give a very kind interpretation to this character, but I do think the foundation is still there for this hero who Black Panther doesn't really have a huge like characterization shift arc, but you know, the whole point is like seeing him do more good in the world. And I think that them kind of paying homage to that in this specific one is a lot of fun. And seeing how like that also changes the plot of the movie from instead being like still being like a relatively low power story because it is like a heist movie or a heist short. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes the the you know the plot of it where they're trying to stop the collector who's like all buff now (laughs) for some reason yeah he got super buff and his voice changed entirely to the point where i'm like benicio del toro isn't voicing this guy he is yeah he is he still is 
Yeah, he's <laughs> doing doing a good job throwing his voice in a completely different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Benicio, shout out to you, Benicio. You're doing a great job. <laughs> yeah. Look at the voice acting. I want to see you in more things. Me too. Yes. I suppose like him playing DJ in in Star Wars is the you know, is also also proof that he knows he knows how to like control his voice for a specific character. Mm-hmm. It's good. You know, I I was also jo- complete side tangent. I was also joking with my brother that if there's a what if of our podcast that like instead of uh, like the version of uh, Joe and Michael would hate uh, the Last Jedi. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> and so. I, I just was like, oh, yeah, we wouldn't open with that. We would open with, like, Empire instead. What if Godzilla was the champion and <laughs> King Kong was not a champion? <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? What if Bucky was written well? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> what if, man? I mean, you could say that about most of these things. But uh, anyway, it also say, I think even the incarnations of the characters that we do see during this episode too, are also fun variations of the characters we also already know them to be. Like, nobody feels so fundamentally different, but they also feel altered in a key way. And I feel like maybe what I'm asking from What If is I want it to feel like really good fan fiction, where, where like a writer is allowed to just do whatever the fuck they want, where it's like yeah. acknowledging that, of course, character dynamics are going to shift, but that's mm-hmm. fine. That's just writing. Yeah. I, want, I want some real fanfic stuff. I want like something like 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 Tim Drake to be bi. Oh wait, <laughs> ayo. That's just that's subtext for you. That is now it's just text. That's reality. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. Like having these characters be recognized and altered to not to an extreme, but based on that character mm-hmm. is 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 the goal here, and that's what happened with T'Challa, mm-hmm. and that affected all the other characters. And that was amusing. I would say something about this episode that did kind of frustrate me was the lack of music. Mm-hmm. Both Guardians of the Galaxy and and Black Panther have killer fucking soundtracks. Mm-hmm. They do. And I'm surprised they didn't try to like mash them up or mm. or or do something completely different. Yeah. I don't know. Disco? Uh <laughs> yeah, they're trying to subtly work in the Black Panther soundtrack, but I don't feel like it's entirely working to this episode's credit, right? Yeah. It feels it feels softer and subtler than it does in that movie, and I kind of want it to be louder. Yeah. I could have th- thought of some key scenes throughout this episode where I'm like, this could you could do a hot you could do a hot drop of a song here right now. Yeah, like like his fight for a great the needle drop. Yeah, or like when they when they're all like meeting up at the bar. That's a mm-hmm. perfect scene to have a needle drop, and they chose not to do that. Mm-hmm. So, I was kind of I, w- I was kind of frustrated by that. Mm-hmm. Something that we talked about with the previous episode, and I like to discuss in this episode. I think similarly to Captain Carter, there were moments in which they went kind of far with the animation. You already touched upon this in the way in which characters are speaking, specifically our Ravager, who's who's a uh, T'Challa's best friend. Mm-hmm. The, I really liked how they turned nowhere, uh, a notably urban landscape, into a rural landscape with greenery. Mm-hmm. I like how they chose to do that. Yeah. But it didn't feel like it was on a massive scale while watching it. Yeah. It wasn't until we get the wide shot or the exterior shot of the planet that I'm like, oh, that's what they're trying to do visually here. That's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But I just wish the art emphasized that more. 
in the yeah. in the scenes leading up to it. Yeah. The the scene when T'Challa is with all the prisoners, it's cool, but I think it could have been more. Yeah, I feel like that is the thing missing from this series' animation because it's just lacking a certain level of a certain level of that expressivity but more i guess more than that it's missing like a, it's missing like an iconography or a cinematography to it where it's also mm-hmm. trying to frame this animation in a way that feels stylized and mm-hmm. part of the the joy of this where like there's a there's the what if poster going around right now that's showing all the characters and they're all in that like like that uh very spinny uh you know spinny interdimensional portal looking thing and you know that's cool i like that because you're seeing all these characters that clearly look jarring because you're seeing them in both a familiar form but also a one that's like slightly altered and i think that type that type of like jarring that type of like a uh, quick little jarring uh exchange is what can make this so much interest so much more interesting and i guess mm-hmm. we, they don't play with that a whole lot especially when we're trying to do a riff on guardians of the galaxy which is the one franchise in the mcu that's notably visually distinct mm-hmm so yeah that's um it's a little bit disappointing and i can't help but feel like this is this is par for the course of the mcu as a whole Mm -hmm. like the like the the fact that there aren't bold choice like many bold choices being made visually Mm -hmm. i think that's also a reflection of how marvel studios functions yeah i think marvel i think these what ifs are more inclined because of the way in which marvel studios is run to rely upon that nostalgia of the movies themselves, which is mm-hmm. replying upon the nostalgia of other movies and and the the prop the the comic book properties as a whole. And this is not to say that like Marvel doesn't make big creative jumps. I already mentioned like Guardians of the Galaxy is an example of that. Mm-hmm. Even and you know I would say even the Tom Holland Spider Man series is kind of an example of that. There's a reason why there's like legions of fans online who are pissed off that he's like I quote unquote Iron Man Junior. You know mm-hmm. they they chose to make a, a distinct choice with this character. Yeah, whether you liked it or not, we'll discuss in another episode. But <laughs> but yeah, I think with with this series as a whole so far. With these two episodes, there's still, I think there's like eight more. There's ten. Am I right? Damn, ten episodes? I didn't know it was that long. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's nine episodes. Nine episodes. God damn. Well, I, I certainly hope they're more like the second episode. Because I, I think you're right. To your point, also noted for being looking different, sounding different, is Black Panther. Like, that was the big reason why everyone got resurfaced with Marvel at the time. Because they're like, yeah, this movie actually fucking looks different. It has a style. It has a unique soundtrack. You know, it has a very great soundtrack. The The visual style is a bit contentious in terms of the CGI. It's, you know, I, I think, unfortunately, it may look a little bit dated in terms of its CGI. But what, what they try to do with that CGI is remarkable. The visuals mm-hmm. and, and scope in which they try to capture with that CGI. Mm-hmm. Thinking about the, alter, you know, the alternate plane entirely in purple was was absolutely gorgeous yeah and yeah they're sorry i don't want to be a negative nancy i don't want to i don't want to immediately shoot you down or anything like that but i um i would agree that black panther similarly to guardians of the galaxy try at least attempts to to make itself visually distinct from the rest of the mc yeah i mean it all it's all safe right it's all still within the safe conventions that the mcu will still allow 
right? Like, mm-hmm. Nothing's truly super revolutionary here because that's what Marvel does. Um, mm-hmm. But in terms of like what those two movies look like, yeah, like I think Black Panther has a unique style all its own, even though I agree, like the CGI, like especially people talk a lot about that final fight looks like especially bad there. But mm-hmm. we also got something like the waterfall fight, which is just, it yeah. just looks really solid. Yeah. And of course, the city, the city of Okada itself looks phenomenal. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. and so like, I agree with you. And so for this, for this, what if it felt like they're taking two things that, you know, like them or hate them, you, they have a unique look to them and it doesn't feel like it's quite pulling upon the things that worked about either of them. Even, even Guardians of the Galaxy, like large encompassing space or like at several times they talk about being an explorer during this episode which I'm not sure I would use that language for T'Challa, but sure. <laughs> yeah. And so the, the, that's that's a kind of their time to show off like the universe. And it's not hard to sell a universe shot, right? Like showing the solar system and showing that like cosmic level, you know, exteriority and type of like that type of uh, sublime imagery. But I think that type of imagery is exactly where the story begins to fail a bit. And if they can't hit those beats, when Yondu and T'Challa are both looking out and being like, wow, look at this, it's like not impressive, right? Especially when in the comic books, there's a history, especially Marvel comic books, there is a history of epic shots and inventive imagery for space. So rest in peace, Jack Kirby. Rest in peace, Jack Kirby. Sorry, Stan got all the credit. Yep. Um, which, you know, in that same way, though, because I think Spider-Verse is another good example of this. Spider-Verse, what it brought to this whole multiverse idea was not just these variations on the character from the narrative standpoint, but also imagery, right? The fact mm-hmm. that every single of those Spider-People look different. And somehow they made anime, Looney Tunes cartoons, noir, and just the 3D animation of that movie as a whole all work together on screen at the exact same time. That shit is like bananas. I have no idea how they made it work. I've watched plenty of video essays on it, how like that movie, but that is just showing how powerful this idea of like a multiverse can be, right? We fucking yeah. love that movie. That movie, coincidentally, also has a fucking straight fire soundtrack. Exactly. <laughs> which like of course like, i don't want to compare everything to spider-verse because that movie is you're casting casting long shadows that movie does <laughs> mm-hmm. but i do think that like that is an example of this concept seen to it's like maximum potential of exploring mm-hmm. this concept of a spider person and seen in all these different variations showing how there's a there's a cohesive tie that unites all of them while still allowing each of them to be their own version of of the hero and mm-hmm. at times I feel like that's, you know, sometimes we're just looking for things to look different. And you know, the fact that, uh, you know, uh, you know, Peter B. Parker and Blonde Peter just look different just works. But also there's something still fun about the fact that those characters aren't inherently the same person either. And it's fun that they aren't the same. And it's fun that this movie, what, what's, what Spider-Verse did was what I like about the T'Challa episode is that it takes... It takes the conventions of this character and it takes the beats that the story would take would normally take and it flips it. Mm-hmm. It pl- it pays the right amount of hom- homage to the status quo that we know, mm-hmm. but deviates enough from it. We still yeah. get an uncle dying. We still get 
a refusal for responsibility. We still get a we still get a great costume. We still get epic web swinging. We still yeah. get quips. But all of that is completely inverted. Absolutely. Like falling upside down. <laughs> and I I guess that just once again, I'm not trying to like make a comparison here just because I feel like it because I feel like it's not lacking, but because I just feel like that is when multiverse stuff can just be lots of fun, right? Not because mm-hmm. not because it's just fun to 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 do hypotheticals as someone who uses hypotheticals as conversation starters. You know, I, I think that there's something fun about exploring that space and also showing off a different version of the character inherently, right? Showing either the cast or the people surrounding that hero, which we are we are uh, a podcast a podcast that focuses on heroes showing the variations and the ways in which they can still articulate themselves in different variations can be really fun. It's why we have something like Batman. It's why we have Batbeard. People still, you know, I mean, that storyline's weird and varied and lots of weird, but hey, we got, we got, we got Dick Grayson and Damian Wayne as Batman and Robin, and people really like that. (laughs) Yeah, good shit. Uh, We're going to get a new Batman too soon. Mm -hmm. The next Batman. That's exciting. But yeah, we 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 as fans and, and part parts of these nerdy communities enjoy enjoy seeing these twists. Mm-hmm. And we're inundated with that right now. Some people even pushing back against that. I don't really care. If, <laughs> if I get if I get my mix of of original straightforward content and then also multiversal madness, I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. It's when it's when one takes over the other that I'll probably be sad. Yeah. What What about you? I agree. I mean, this is I want to like this because I, I I feel like it's not a it's not a inherently bad idea just because like from the craft level, it does interest me. It does interest me to take these characters and in like a fun writing exercise. And also the fact that it's only a 30 minute kind of exosode in my mind seems like it could be more freeing because it's not like you're signing on for a whole ass continuity here. We're just asking for a fun short story, right? And this is like the fun stuff with short stories is you can have a fun beginning. You can have a fun ending that doesn't quite answer everything. And it can just be exploratory into who this character is and revealing of more of their like heroic identity, but also more of their characterization in fun ways. And least of which like playing with, you know, space it's space defined as not like you know outer space but space defined as in like the realm through which the hero works or operates mm-hmm. and that can just be a lot of fun hence why you know seeing t'challa interact with the guardians cast is also lots of fun seeing him take a picture with a bartending drax a bartend exactly mm-hmm. and that's just that's just fun because it's just a bit it doesn't go on too long it's like a it's like a 30 second gag but it's also still fun. And also it's funny to see Drax so happy. It's nice to see Drax happy. Yeah. yeah. He still has his wife and daughter. Yeah. Go them. I, it's not, it's like, of course, like anything, it can be bad. And I think we, these two specials aren't exactly knocking it out of the park for me. <laughs> yeah. I think we've talked a lot of sugar about the T'Challa Star-Lord episode. Yeah. But I would still say, to, not to just immediately go back on everything that I've just said in this episode, but like, the the praise that I've given for this is 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 still under the like this is good this could be better absolutely like I think like I said I think they could be even more ambitious with it yeah and I agree with you like the aspects of like T'Challa as an explorer is kind of a stretch mm-hmm. but 
because that doesn't feel like true to the character that I know. And I like the idea of something that's that like a twist on something that is true. Mm-hmm. And I don't see like that aspect of truth within T'Challa initially. No, but yeah, the, these episodes are, are a good, a good like taste, tastemaker version of multiversal stuff. Mm-hmm. We've talked about Spider-Verse as like a prime example of, of multiversal done right to, to kind of veer off topic for a bit as podcasts do. <laughs> what, what do you think of how the DCEU is trying to interact with the CW? Oh boy, man, I don't know. As much as I would love to see the two flashes meet each other, even though they kind of already did, it's no, it's, I guess it's no greater than any other craft thing where it, it just feels like you need to work and understand like the two crafts going on at the same time. Mm-hmm. And admittedly, though, if the, it was in charge of the CW, if the CW is in charge of that crossover, I think I might like it a little bit more because we would get more like who kisses who, <laughs> which <laughs> I think is more fun. Like that's the best mm-hmm. part of Elseworlds where <laughs> where uh, mm-hmm. where um, Oliver and Barry are not dating their respective partners. And yeah, you get more of that like trashy romance stuff. Mm-hmm. which i just find more endearing just because it's silly and of course it's going to be fixed and so <laughs> that's what i want rather than like the super self-serious way that the dceu treats its source material like titans like man i i don't care about titans yet yeah, no the the stuff that the d um that specifically spawned out of uh dc universe what was their like original series Mm-hmm. they went in with the premise of hey we're gonna make everything hard r and everything edgy and like some no. of it hit and some of it missed and mm. titans is a big old miss but big miss in between titans and like basically how like all these things like choose to interact with each other what i found most successful out of the different elseworld stuff they did was legends of tomorrow mm-hmm yeah. Legends of Tomorrow played around with space and time. It wasn't very self-serious. It still had some of that CW drama that I know that that uh that you especially crave. I enjoy it too. I I don't wanna I think I've talked a lot of shit about Michael on this podcast <laughs> and his enjoyment for the CW with, with while like trying to keep my hands clean. And I wanna I wanna come out and say <laughs> effectively and definitely I've watched seasons one through three of The Flash, seasons one through three of Arrow, seasons one through two of Legends of Tomorrow. I watched season one of Supergirl. It technically Mm -hmm. wasn't a CW show, but it was taken back to the CW after season two. And oh my gosh, what else did I I watch? I watched a few episodes of Batwoman Mm -hmm. and I'm watching Lois and Clark right now. Mm -hmm. So I, I am not clean. I am not, I am not pure of the CW. CW has its hooks in you. There, there is a stinking pile of garbage hidden in my closet, and it is the CW that I have watched. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, and yes, I will confess, I have seen season one of Riverdale. Now, <laughs> I will confess, and oh, I've also watched um, Carrie, uh, the Carrie Files, and Crazy Ex Girlfriend. Okay, so I like the CW too. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, Joe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't clown at me for for, <laughs> for months. Been clouding you for for basically a year of this podcast. <laughs> it's been over a year. Mm-hmm. We didn't celebrate it, but we should have. 
Here's our celebration. Me, me confessing my love for the CW. Mm-hmm. My love that I've been shaming myself for, but I now must admit. Yeah, and may- maybe in doing so, I think you really hit the nail on what we really want from these little tiny shorts. Is that much like much like different incarnations of the same character? We don't want to see the same incarnation of the hero over and over and over again. We want to see a different variation on them. To me, I am reminded constantly of... This has to do with acting more. But, like, this is, like, in Doctor Who, why it's a big deal when the Doctor changes the actor. Because it is the same character. Like, fundamentally, you know, informed by the same lore, same everything but it is a different actor bringing something new to that performance. And that is the joy of it. That is the fun of seeing, you know, Flash in the DCEU versus the Flash in the CW-verse where... Yeah, it's interesting because you mentioned the Flash. Uh, Ezra Miller's Flash is going to also be a multiversal movie that's going to star the 1989 Batman portrayed Mm -hmm. by Michael Keaton. Or rather, it's going to be like an aged version of that character, but it will be that Tim Burton character. And I'm intrigued. I don't care for Ezra Miller for for reasons. I'm intrigued at how they're going to play this multiversal thing. I hope it's more like what we've discussed in this episode thus far. Yeah, I want to see a variation in a new version of this hero, right? Mm -hmm. It It is an interesting task to acknowledge that it is the same person, but it is a new version of them, right? I would love, yes. So I would love to see how they choose to move Michael Keaton's character, Michael Keaton's Batman forward. Yeah. Is and he going to become more Tim Burton-y or less? And so, and so in that way, that's where I think they could do something really cool. And that's where I think the multiverse stuff truly lives. And what I hope, what I hope these, these episodes turn into, maybe we'll do another one of these when all of them are said and done and we can just, who knows, maybe that I'll just, maybe we won't, or else it'll just be us being like, well, it's exactly what we thought it would be. We'll keep you updated. Mm-hmm. But do you have any wrap-up thoughts on this? I guess we should ask ourselves, do T'Challa and Captain Carter, do they get the, or I guess T'Challa's still Star-Lord, do Star-Lord and Captain Carter in this version get the champion belt? I'm gonna be a dick. <laughs> Captain Carter doesn't get the belt, but T'Challa does. Dog, What? <laughs> I because the character <laughs> the character is still a static character and I don't feel like I've learned a lot more about Captain Carter out of this. I mm-hmm. think everything that I've understood about Captain Carter from First Avenger was the same. Mhm. I didn't get much more out of it. That's fair. It's it's not that I don't think Captain Carter is an interesting character. I think she is. I think Asterisk, I think Peggy Carter is an interesting character. But Captain Carter to me doesn't feel much different than peggy carter Mm -hmm. and i think what this episode did was tie more to her relationship to steve and define her character as her love for steve and i find that frustrating so that's Mm -hmm. why she doesn't get the belt t'challa i don't care for the explorer stuff but i do like how they did expand more upon his his morals and the way in which he affects and has empathy for other people Mm -hmm. i think the way in which they explored that was much more interesting and telling of him yeah. I think I gained more knowledge and I was more invested in that. So that's why yeah. T'Challa gets it, but but Captain Car- T'Challa Star-Lord gets it, but Captain Carter doesn't. I think I'm still willing to give it to them both just because Captain Carter at very least is still the adamant hero 
in the same capacity that I appreciate about, uh, you know, the, the Captain America iconography as a whole. And so they do something revolutionary. Not really, but it was kind of cool to see her push back a giant squid monster. That was very cool. The sword and shield combo. Very fun. Very fun. Very cool. Why not? Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, I think I agree with you. T'Challa, just seeing T'Challa just be cool again in the space and knowing that's Chad Bozeman's last performance, knocked it out of the park, did a great job, did a great vocal performance. And so, absolutely. Okay, then. I think that's going to do it for us this week on Champion Casters. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. And we will talk to you next week. Okay. Bye. Bye. All right, thank you for listening to another episode of Champion Casters. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you want to keep the conversation going, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at champion underscore cast. You can also email us any of your thoughts or questions at championcasters at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'd like to give thanks to the following. Shan Theobald for our logo artwork. Adam Renroe for our intro and outro music. Joseph Tomlin for managing our social media. And Michael Ruiz for editing our episodes. <laughs> and I have been your host, Michael Ruiz. You can find me at twitter.com at next underscore entry. And the video essays I write on my YouTube channel, Next Entry. I have also been your host, Joseph Tomlin. You can find me at twitter.com and Instagram at joke Tomlin. That is J-O-U-K-T-O-M-L-I-N. Thanks again for listening, everyone.